Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fucksicles? What the fuckadelics? How are you? How are you? WTF is the name of the show. I am Mark Marin, the host of that show. Mike Watt is on the show today. What a fucking freewheeling genius that dude is, man. We got into some shit. He's, a, he's got an entire mythology and point of view that he works from. Real American original, that guy, Mike Watt. Solo work, his work with Firehose, and his uh, seminal work with the uh, Minutemen, one of the amazing uh, punk bands out of California. Important, man. And it's something I came to late, but God damn it, I love talking to that guy. As you know, I've added about, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight dates to my tour. June 25th, that's Thursday, I'll be at the Capitol Theater in Port Chester, New York. On Friday, June 26th, I will be at the uh, BAM Howard Opera House in Brooklyn. That show is kicking ass. We're doing fine. That's That place seats 2,200. And there's tickets left, I'm just telling you, it's, it's going well over there. June 27th, Saturday, the Paramount Theater in Huntington, New York. And Sunday, June 28th, the Count Basie Theater in Red Bank, New Jersey. Now those shows, Red Bank, Huntington, Port Chester. I think a lot of the people that are my fans are going to Brooklyn. Those shows are selling okay, but if you live in those areas and you want to see me, grab some tickets, all right? So it's uh, so I know it's happening. You dig? Friday, July 10th, Aladdin Theater in Portland, Oregon. That's, that's going great. Saturday, July 11th, Revolution Hall in Portland, Oregon. Great. Friday, July 24th in Boulder at the Boulder Theater in Colorado and Saturday, July 25th at the Paramount Theater in Denver, Colorado. Those Colorado dates are fine, but if you're coming, get some tickets. Portland's looking great. Portland is looking awesome. I did a show in Minneapolis. I haven't talked to you since then. Last Sunday, and it was astounding. You know, I did the special on on, on Saturday in Chicago, which was great for a lot of different reasons. And then I was just sort of like, you know, crack my, there was a crash after that. It's like all this momentum builds up for weeks on end. Then you do the thing. So on Sunday in Minneapolis, I was loose and I was out of my mind and I was talking like I'd never talked before. 
not in a long time, not so plainly and honestly on a stand-up stage about things I used to talk about and why I don't talk about them anymore, specifically uh, you know, things that, that may be condescending or self-righteous or, or, or strident. Uh, you know, how do you talk about politics? How do you talk about religion, stuff like that, without doing, without being strident or aggressive or self-righteous? I don't like those tones when they come out of me. Get them out. Change the tone. Adjust the knob of self. But for some reason, I was very lucid at that show, and it, it's just never going to happen again. I know I mentioned uh, this to you on Monday, but I was in a movie uh, with Chris D'Elia and Eric Andre and a bunch of other uh, funny people. It's called Flock of Dudes, and it's premiering at the L.A. Film Festival this Saturday, June 13th at 7.40 p.m. So check it out if you want, if you want to see me or you or some other funny people in that movie, if you want to see them act. And speaking of funny people, Amy Schumer, Judd Apatow, Dave Attell, Vanessa Bayer, Mike Birbiglia, and Colin Quinn are going on tour for charity. They're doing the train wreck tour in seven cities. They'll be in Boston and New York on June 14th and 15th. Go to trainwreckmovie.com for tour dates and tickets. All right, let's let's stop screwing around. Who cares anymore about my dumb blues wicks? Not me. Not me. Hey, look. This is supposed to be happening at the end. Let's talk to Mike Watt, a bass-playing genius right now. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. Now. Fucking sickness almost killed me. It's- what was that? It was 15 years ago. Actually, it's on leap day, so only every four years I got to go through the motherfucker. Right. It was like 38 days of fever, man. Wow. That's and, and this thing is growing inside me. What is it? Don't know. So I go to the You doctors. felt it, though? Oh, fuck yeah. It's like I'm, I'm uh, pregnant. Wait, like, Shit's growing inside me. You feel like in your it's guts? It's called the taint. Yeah, it, uh, the taint, the perineum. 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 That's a doctor where taint yeah. is like... You know, yeah, the taint. So you got a lump taint in the there. Taint the asshole, taint the balls. Right. <laughs> so you got a lump in there? Well, I'm feeling. I'm feeling Something. there. So I yeah. tell the doctors, uh, they start feeding me pills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This shit's growing and growing. Oh, my God. You know, I'm following their orders. The last round of pills is on the phone. They don't even fucking see me. I take their uh, VD tests and shit. The guy brings me into this room with a painting of a Mexican funeral. Yeah. Said, What's that about? He said, don't look. <laughs> He said, now look, you're negative on all these tests, yeah. you know? The AIDS and yeah, yeah. all that. 
And I said, that's good, right? And he said, well, could be wrong. You know, it's like this Oh, great. So, <laughs> so I went, oh, the fuck, you know? So I go back. The last round of pills. Uplifting. It's on the phone. The yeah. dude don't even see me. So they just think it's going to be killed with antibiotics. They don't know what the fuck they it think, is. Yeah. Well, I found out later that last round, that kind of antibiotic is specific for like syphilis. Yeah. They think it's a VD because oh. I got these big uh, village people look oh, right. at that those days. <laughs> yeah, the big mustache going. <laughs> like, this guy's not saying. He's got a new one. Oh, and you work base, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so... Fucking, this thing's growing in me. The only way I could get relief, kind of, yeah. was get in the tub, you know, taint to yeah. the fucking overhead, yeah. and then hot water. Right on it, right. pounding on it. And I guess that softened it up enough yeah. that this shit blew out. Blew out. 38 days. Blew out. Blew a hole in me like a, you know, double-eyed fuck. Real, like a giant zit? No, like a hole. Holy fuck. Okay, right in the taint. Oh. And about, about a gallon of... Uh, it, look, it looked like pea color. Yeah. You know, peas, the lima yeah. beans. Oh, my God. And it smelled like, whoa. Oh, my God. Like so gangrene. I, yeah. It was, I was septic. I was a b- fucking bug factory. And so I stuffed a bunch of newspapers in there and put on my Levi, and I called my sister, Melinda. Melinda, we got to go. Get me damn. to the emergency room. And I washed, now this hospital, Pedro, yeah. um, I washed pots and pans there for five years. So I knew some of these old doctors in, when I was a teenager. Dollar twenty an hour. <laughs> really? That's it. anyway. Yeah, you know, I know uh, Doctor Scheinberg or something. They're still like there. This. They're still there. These. Yeah, guys. he's yeah. a urologist. And right. I, and I, and I, I tell the you now the emergency room doc's a young man. I said, you know, maybe he can help me. And he goes, yeah, he's going to be here in the morning, Mister Watt. But I don't know if you are, so we're going to put you in an ambulance and put you to county. County. Okay. So I take everything off. You know, give my sister everything. Uh-huh. <laughs> Go up there nine hours. You know. After the nine hours, I did get shown to a team of interns. Right. And actually, trauma is their business. That was the perfect place right. to go. They ain't yeah, going to yeah. just feed you fucking pills. They're going to get to work. And this guy, Doc Hopkins, I, you know, I made an opera about this. My second opera is all about this whole hell ride. I paralleled to Dante's Comedia. <laughs> of what's course, that, you got that, one surgeon. What, what's that opera called? It's called The Second Man's Middle Stand. I was only 42. I had a lot of work to do, not time to die. I got to tell you, when I was laying there, you know, with the fevers, and there was no clunk. It was just delirium, delirium, delirium. I was like, you know, in those kind of situations, you got to really pull it together, I think, because it's like, why not end the hurt and let yeah. go? Yeah. But on the other hand, I had all these things. See, that's the thing. When a, a hurt, a sickness comes down on you, you think you got enough time. But it just makes you so weak. You you might not. Yeah, you don't but, have but you, time. So, but I just said, fuck it. I yeah. got a lot of work. To, I can't go now. So, and then also, the difference with this this intern, Doc Hopkins. Yeah. I put him in the opera, in fact. He's, you know, because they all got their theories. They got only one real right. doctor. But you got a hole in your tank. I know. So, but they got theories. Yeah. Some dudes think it's flesh-eating bacteria. Some right, dudes right, think right, it's right, gangrene. Right. Doc Hopkins, he says, yeah. he, I think you got the mother of all abscesses. I think this might have started from an ingrown fucking hair that should have been lanced. No shit. <laughs> Holy fuck. And you know the way county was in those days, all these people, it's enough for the money, all these people from all the world come there to get experience. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So you're there because they want to. Right. They ain't punching a claw. It's like in the music racket. Some cats who win the lottery, the last thing they want to talk about is music. You know? Right, then there's right. a Notice when cats are first into it, a big higher percentage if they really want to do it. Yeah. It's a human thing. Yeah. So I ain't against doctors. Like I said, this cat saved my life. And, and, and he went what, to work. Yeah. And they, he cut two more holes in me. One in a ball sack. Yeah. And then one next to that other one. Because yeah. he said, 
He said it was almost like going in there with a wire brush. Because it was Mr. all White. fucked up everywhere. Yeah. He said it ate around your uh, colon like a horseshoe. It was eroding into your... Uh, Oh, What's my that God. Piss, uh, the piss tube thing called? Yeah, urethra. Urethra. Yeah. It put a Foley in there. Yeah. So, man, it was the easiest pisses I ever took in my life. I just <laughs> look at that sack fill up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but then when they put that, they didn't just put a Foley in the urethra thing. Yeah. They also put in the wall of my bladder. Yeah. Because that's where it was really infected. And, uh, well, the tube out there, Mr. White, you can't do the base because it'll... Right. You know, there ain't no fitting. But there's you, just, but there's you, a ball on the inside, yeah. and there's a tube. Man, they got just a slit in you. And anyway, so you couldn't lean a base on that. You could feel the pressure. I couldn't play bass. Right. Now, this is and you first, are the bass. Yeah, but I hadn't stopped since. I never stopped, never right. gone a day without playing. Right. And now for like five, six months, I can't play it. So when I go back to it, it's terrible. I'm all atrophied. Yeah. I got no rhythm. Yeah. I, th I thought, oh, this is like bike shit. Well, you know, I went back to bike after 22 years. That was lame, too. <laughs> it ain't. It, it does come back, but you got to fucking work on it. So I panicked, you know, yeah. and I was like, how can I get it back? What can I work on? And I thought immediately, Dave Alexander, Stooges. You know, for one thing, when uh, we were uh, more younger guys, yeah. that's one of the only U.S. rock bands that could actually hear the bass. Right. And the lines were simple. There's not a lot of chord changes, but a lot of feel. And I thought, yeah. well, if I just do, you know, Little Doll over and over and over. So the idea was just so you could get back to playing bass. Get on the horse. You got to work it. And it was Stooges. It was, that, was, that was your I that thought, was let's just do, do Stooges songs. <laughs> you know, let's yeah. just do it because, you know what, they're songs, but they ain't, you know, it ain't Yes or Emerson yeah, right, like right. a bomber. <laughs> yeah. you know, or got, even some of your songs. Yeah, you, a lot yeah, more right. complicated. Right. Yeah. Beef heart influence yeah. or something. Sure. It's this, this real, uh, what do you call it, fundamental. Right. And maybe I get to learn to do this again. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so we did these gigs. Jay Duggett. Yeah. So he was just making a solo album called Jay Maskus in the Fog where he played everything. Yeah. He says, I want to tour this, but I don't like singing every fucking night, every song. So why don't you come play bass and then we'll do some Stooges songs. So we go on tour and when we get to Ann Arbor, that's where Ronnie lives. Still with his mom at that time. Yeah. yeah. Jay asked me when we play the Blind Pig in Ann Arbor, right? Jay Masker's Fog Tour, why don't you call up Ronnie? So I call him, hey, Ronnie, we're playing in your town. Come on down. Yeah. Come down there. Uh, last part of the set. Yeah. We do like nine Stooges song with Ronnie. He comes up and plays the Stooges. Comes and plays, we got everything up. One of the Stooges. You know, Jay's got enough amps, believe me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he rigs some of them up for Ronnie. Right. So we're doing Stooges songs with one of the Stooges. Oh, in fact, I remember what Jay said. Yeah. Because Jay loved, he learned, you know, Jay's really a drummer. Yeah. He right, learned he started guitar right, right, right. from Funhouse. Right. He says, first you learn from the guy, first you uh, rip them off, then you play with the guy. Yeah. That's what he told me. You know, but Jay's a man of few words. So I know, I, I, I believe me, I sat with him for an hour. But the dude is smart, though. <laughs> really smart, very sweet guy. But not his verbal. Yeah. yeah. But that's why people don't know this. Yeah. Because you don't go and buff the badge with it. But anyway, he's he's digging on it. Yeah. So he says, Ronnie, why don't you come on tour with us? So the tour ends up being, uh, you know, Jay Baskins and Fog. There were some dinosaur songs too, but the whole last third to be Ronnie. <laughs> yeah. We come out there, we do all that. <laughs> then uh, there, there was this uh, festival called Tomorrow's Party. And Thirst is the curator. Yeah. Now, Scotty's living in his truck in Florida, in Sarasota. Scott. Uh, Scott Ashton. Ashton, the other. Rock the brother. Ashton. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The brother. Yeah. And uh, Thirst says, look, let's rent him drum set, and you and Jay, what, play with both Ashton brothers. Yeah. So fly him over there. We practice up the first two albums, <laughs> and we do this gig, me yeah. and Jay, and then, Jay, okay, let's do some gigs. Uh, 
in Europe called Ashton, Ashton, Mascus, and Watt. And that's where Ig heard about it. Really? Well, who knows? Ig might have known from the first gig. Right. Ig's took that long. And, and was he? But then he's making an album called Skull Ring, right? So yeah. we asked him, hey, guys, will you come on now? Him and Ronnie ain't talked for 29 years. Oh. Now, Scotty did try. He told me he t- did go up to New York City when he was living there and asked him Down about Down Alphabet City. I remember when he lived in they New York They even did a jam. Yeah, him and the drummer, Scott. Yeah. Yeah, but- there was Not. a huge Berlin Wall with Ronnie and him. No kidding. And but that all went away. How quick? Well, when he heard about me and Jay playing with, so we, they asked, and they they do three or four songs. Actually, they're demos. Yeah. Because Scotty got all weirded out about that because they end up being on the album. He said, "Man, I didn't know that was the real dealio," you know. But Ig <laughs> likes the feel, and I yeah. understand why. So that was the beginning of the Stooges get together uh, this month, uh, twelve years ago. Yeah. Was Coachella. That was the first one. So that's how you became a member of the Stooges. Well, they're, they, they, it's an Iggy Pop album. It's called Skull Ring. Right. But I guess they get to talking. Right. And they get an offer from the Coach- yeah. Coachella people. Because I'm on tour with my second man doing that tour the for opera, that so- about second the, opera. The, the life Sickness. and death. Yeah. Because I listened to the first one. I, I didn't get through first that First one's album. about my pop. That's, that's a fucking masterpiece. Well, I was trying to talk about the Minutemen I used his life in the Navy. I didn't know how to deal with losing D-Boom. Right. And uh, sad ending. Yeah, we'll, we'll walk through that, man. Man, the second opera, happy ending, but yeah. still fucking hell, all the nightmare. Third opera, yeah, middle age, that's a whole different deal. <laughs> Which one's that? No Is that done yet? Yeah, hyphenated, man. That's I'm just oh, going to do great. a tour in two. In two uh, I didn't know that's a, that in your mind, that's an opera. It's 30 parts. It's one song. I'll get to that later. Okay, that's the last I'm thing. almost done, done with this. Yeah. So I'm on tour. I'm in yeah. Tallahassee at, yeah. at the Cow House. Yeah. I think it's the second one. And there's, hey, what? There's a call. It's Ig. Yeah. Uh, hey, Mike. Uh, Ronnie says you're the man. That's <laughs> you know, what the fuck. He goes, "Will you do me a favor? Would you wear a, a t-shirt instead of flannel?" I said, "Fuck yeah." <laughs> Dress for Perry. I mean, it's fucking uh, John Fogarty's idea anyway. You know. I said, "What about Levi and uh, Converse?" He goes, that's strong. <laughs> like, <laughs> and he's talking about him having nightmares about the drummer in lime green and the bass in orange and how, how it's going to look and all this lights. And, yeah. You know, I'm just holding the thing and I'm like, fuck. And finally we get to the music part at yeah. the end of the spiel. Okay, Mike, however we end the songs, right. that's how we end them. Right. What does that mean? <laughs> well, you know, that's exactly what I thought, Mark. Yeah. And then I thought about it. That first album, a lot of the tunes fade out because, you know, they wrote them right on the spot there. Right. Well, a lot of those things didn't have endings, so they fade out. So that's what I think it was meaning. However we end them, that's how we end. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, we had already worked that out with Jay, okay? Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, that's, that's how... Uh, uh, Ronnie told me later the strong lobby was for me because of that work I did with him and Jay. Mm-hmm. See what I mean? Jay's the guy who's responsible. Yeah. I get all this credit, but it was really Jay. And so, okay. Um, uh, in Memphis, I leave my second man guys. I said, oh, now you guys drive off to Raleigh. I'll go do this gig. I fly out. I got sick on the fucking plane. I didn't tell him. It felt like a 20-foot... It was it was that crap coming back a little bit. Really? Yeah. Oh, over shit, that must have been scary. Yeah, the fevers came back. Right, you're like, not I didn't again. tell him, and we do the practice. Yeah. And then we do the gig. In fact, right before the gig, man, uh, Flea, uh, I, I'm shivering. We're in the desert, and you know how... And the, the peppers are there? Yeah, and 
there's a whole bunch of bands. Ian MacKay was there. And yeah. but in fact, Flea and him are trying to hug the fever out of me. Flea goes, wait a minute. We got this nurse that puts vitamin E in us when this shit happens. Yeah. So it takes 20 minutes to get this shit in my ass. And they put me in a golf cart. And I go up there. The wind blew over Ronnie's amps. I remember Ig stopping dirt. He stops the song. He comes over to me. Are we in the right key? I said, yeah. <laughs> Play it again. <laughs> it was it was a mind blight, but it happened. It fucking yeah. happened. And then, 125 months of gigs. Yeah. And you got to understand me. You know, I'm finally the youngest dude in the band, and my ears are like elephant-sized sponges. I'm just soaking up. You know, I'm I'm 13 in 1970, so I don't really know. I'm a boy in the 60s, but sure. I don't know clubs. I don't know garage. And there was a whole scene that yeah. we were learning with punk. But the arena rock came and washed everything didn't, away. Didn't have any of that experience. It was all Nuremberg rallies. Right. But then these guys, they were coming from a lot of common ground, but in other ways, completely different. Well, that's interesting. Completely. I know yeah. they invent. There would be no punk without them. Right. Right. But in another way, they weren't us. They, they were trying to do another thing. Well, they were from another era. That's right. Ronnie told me about smoking a pipe and wearing a corduroy coat at a folk. Uh, uh, coffee house shit yeah. you know, like, that? doesn't exist no it don't Not exist they're getting beetle haircuts and him and Dave Alexander uh, flying over to England right. to try to find the Beatles or something he got a piece of uh, Pete Townsend's guitar that was in a roof but they were from a different thing yeah I remember Ig telling me his first record with Johnny and the Hurricanes you know he was, uh, he was a, a drummer right that's where he gets his name because the band's called Iguanas right and Pop is some guy who in a crazy, maybe Baracho or some shit, but he put rammed his head in a bulkhead and all his eyebrows fell out. So, <laughs> and his name was like Joe Pop or something, yeah. real name. Yeah. Well, Ig, one gig, uh, I'm going to shave off my eyebrows and put glitter on. Well, you yeah. don't do that because that keeps the glitter yeah. from going into your eyes. And yeah, it's a yeah. nightmare. But that's when uh, uh, Scotty started calling him Iggy Pop. Yeah, so I think Danny Fields calls him Iggy Stooge. Right. And they told me about calling actually the Three Stooges to get permission for the name. Well, one of them used to go over and hang out with Ronnie, Larry. Ronnie took care of Larry, bring him cigarettes yeah, yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> I, yeah. that. I love that story. That go over That's the only time that Ronnie lived outside was in Hollywood those couple years. Right. right. When they, they had the big record deal and they and thought the, they were going to get it. Actually, more than that. Living in that house. Actually, more than that. Yeah. They had the management deal with the Bowie Dude, oh, yeah, yeah, Main yeah, yeah. man. Yeah. And they got him a house in the valley. Right. Scotty took me oh, that pad. Boy. You were up there? He just showed it to oh, me. Oh, that's of course, they, they were only in there a little bit. Sure, before they... they... even took away the clothes. When yeah. They... Oh, they did? You know, that James sure. with the collar. Sure, Yeah, they took that... Everything. It's over. Back to Michigan, yeah. you fucker. Take the out of lover. It's yeah. over. He had to sell the drum set to get back home. Ugh. It was a nightmare. So when you guys started uh, with the Minutemen, where, yeah. where were you living? You were here in Pedro? I you came here... Okay, I'm from Virginia. My pop's a, a sailor. He's an engine room guy. Was he like a, a, a lifer, you know, in the he Navy? He did 20. Yeah. Uh, so that's why you were in Virginia. told me never to join. That's right. It's the biggest yeah. Navy base in the right. world. But yeah. ain't ain't so close to Vietnam. Right. Pedro's closer because next to Pedro is Long Beach Naval Station, which is no more. Right. It's all canned boats now from China and stuff. Which yeah. Is probably better. Yeah. In fact, I, the Army Base 2, they closed down because of the you didn't need that assault treaty anymore. Because, uh -huh. uh, yeah. So well, I've I, been in the officer's latrine for 26 years. Uh, <laughs> I put on, I tore all the shitters out and I put a hatch. And, uh, what do you it's mean? It's not having to have a, like a practice pad because me and D. Boone, you know. You, you never you, had a pad, so you, a drummer is hard to play with. But you're playing for an old base building? 
Army base. Yeah, it was the it's the latrine for the officers. And that's what it's you're called practicing. Fort MacArthur. Is that's the your practice pad? Yeah. <laughs> the well, there's a shower part, a sink part, and I took the shitter part and I put up, pulled them all out and put up. I had also put rug all over because it's all made out of asbestos. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah what get they rid of that. Shit out of. So or at you, least seal it. Yeah. So I be, so the military kind of still in my life. But anyway, you get these things called the orders. In 30 days, you'll report. So all of a sudden, we got to move from Virginia to uh, Pedro. And you're how old? At that time, nine. And you got how many sisters? Two. And it's just the three of you. Yeah. Well, my mom, she's yeah. still around. Cancer killed my pa. Because he was injury room guy. Yeah. But nuke. They yeah. had to train a nuclear navy. Right. So they had to bring chief. Chief is like a sergeant. Mm-hmm. And that's high as you go as an enlisted man. And mm-hmm. that's what he was. Enlisted men are trippy. Uh, they're usually running away from something. Mm-hmm. The officer guys, I think, come from a culture. Their daddies right. were. Yeah, lifers. It's different. different big, with them. Bigger money. Yeah, but there's enlisted men lifers. Right. Like these chiefs, they'll plateau. It'll take them. 20 years to get there, and then they'll stay another 20 years. Right, but the pension's different, I guess. The longer you're in, the more you get. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. My pop made chief in seven years, because they had to have me build a uh, nuke Navy quick. Yeah. But uh, you could imagine, too, the Enterprise. In, in fact, that's what happened. Yeah. He came out here to be on a boat called the Enter- uh, Long Beach. Yeah. And then uh, we're going to make an aircraft carrier. Right. But that's up in Alameda, so we got to move again. And my ma said, fuck that shit. Done. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we're staying in Pedro so I can't live in the Navy housing there anymore yeah. they, they just made a new proj next to the old proj yeah. this biggest park we got in Pedro called Peck Park yeah. well me D. Boom was living in that older proj oh yeah that's like, the- that proj was from Second World War housing it was supposed to be torn down but he come from a military family too his daddy uh, four years only yeah but like World War II days yeah my, my pop was only 19 when I was born so he only, right. he only knew Vietnam so but he didn't go it's over just there. Econo no, he's out yeah. before the 50s. Sure. <laughs> econo. It's just Econo. He's Econo. He's putting in radios at a Buick de- dealership. Yeah. What, is the, what does Econo mean to for people who are just coming in contact? Well, the fucking vans were called Econo lines. Yeah, yeah. And you drove up in one. <laughs> you still own one. Yeah, I've owned four. <laughs> this is the fourth one. But Ten years. But you're associated with that word. Yeah, because, well, for one thing, we, we didn't grow up with a lot of money. You know? Yeah. So economic. Yeah. So... Uh, you still want to do it, but maybe you ain't got the fucking yeah. shrapnel, you know? Yeah, yeah. So you you, you 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 make a tent to hold the dream. Yeah. And that's all econo means. It's yeah. more bang for buck. Yeah. It don't mean always... Because uh, you can be uh, cheap ass on yourself and end up paying more down the road. So econo is more of a, a long view. Yeah. It's not just... <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, if you have yeah. to buy the motherfucker... Like my pop said, buy it right, buy it once. If you have to buy it two or three times, it ain't fucking Econo. Yeah. It's harder to find shit you can buy once now. I, I know, I know, I know. Because <laughs> lots of strategies yeah. from the, the shepherds mm-hmm. is not so Econo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we both share this big park, and I made him... Well, I'm walking through the park first, second yeah. day I moved in. Yeah. He jumped out of a tree on me. This is D-Boone. Yeah, because yeah. he's playing with his buddies. Yeah. D-Boone had really bad eyes, big, yeah. thick glasses. Yeah. He was... Pictures you don't see it much because he's wearing contacts yeah. by that time. But he jumped on me and he thought I was a neighbor whose nickname was Eskimo. Yeah. Because you're not Eskimo. I said no. <laughs> and his his buddies had all ran off. Yeah. And, you know, he, the only rock band he knew was Creedence. Yeah. But... It's a good rock band to know. Oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> of course. <laughs> but he knew about shit that I didn't know, uh, comedians. Yeah. I didn't know about comedians. Like I knew about Cream. I knew about Who, T-Rex. Right. Right. In fact, T-Rex be, uh, is our first concert we go to. Really? Uh, yeah, this is where he, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was at Long Beach Auditorium. They tore it down. It's the uh, 
Opera House. How many, how many tours did they even do of the States? Only a couple. They weren't that big here. Right. So, so, so he when, knew Credence. You knew T-Rex. Yeah, but here's what happens. What? When he jumps out of that tree, yeah, yeah. this is what really fucking got me smitten. Um, okay, when you know, I said, I just moved here. Let me show you where I live. So we're walking back. We're walking from the tree. Yeah. Well, the tree's gone now, but I know where it still was. So we're walking to my pad across these baseball diamond. He starts rattling off these bits. And... uh I'm like, fuck, this is the smartest dude in the world. You know, now, look, we're 12, okay? What kind of bits? You mean comedy bits? Well, I don't know. I oh. don't know. I think this man is fucking... A genius. Just whooping him out, you know, bam, 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 bam. I'm like, fuck. Yeah. You know, and, of course, the next day, he takes me to his pad. Yeah. And he puts on this record. It's George Carlin. Yeah. And I hear all the fucking bits. Yeah. He didn't make any of it up. Yeah. But he, you know what? He had it memorized pretty good, but it was like, God damn, D. Boone, none of this is yours. <laughs> but it was too late because by that time, and then that's when his ma came in and says, now, this is the early 70s, so there ain't a lot of guns, but there's fighting and stuff after school. So you're going to have a band. She wants us in the house after school. And you're so 13? We won't get trouble. Well, we're 12. We're not even 13. Cause and I'm you listen to George Carlin? Yeah. That's a mind blower. Well, his yeah. half brother Jim gave him the record. Sure. He had an older brother. See, yeah. I didn't. Got to have the older brothers. I didn't. What yeah, did yeah. I do? Thank even God. My sisters are young. Right. Thank God. Anyway, she played guitar as a girl. So D. Boone obviously was the guitar player. Right. And then he had a little brother. His name. mom. Yeah. And Ramblin' Rose was her big song, right? Brother Wayne. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, so, of course, D. Boone learned Ramblin' Rose and. Uh, he had a little brother named Joe, and he would do the drum, put a, a book on the snare drum, and then play the little TV holder for cymbal thing. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. And every band's got a bass. You know, we look on the back of the album cover. So yeah. You're going to be bass, what? And I don't know what the fuck a bass is. Yeah. And then looking at the pictures, it looks like a guitar with only four. Yeah. So I think, oh, man, this is just a guitar with four strings. So that's what I played for the first couple of years. Now, the Credence records, he's got all six of the, fir the first six ones. But they ain't in the sleeve. They're on the hardwood floor with the grape the juice. Stuff, <laughs> you got to put like, yeah, and the, the record players, like, you know, the speakers on the yeah, wires yeah, hanging yeah. out. You got to put six quarters in there, keep it from skipping. So I can't fucking hear what the bass is playing. Yeah. You know, it's like. Yeah. So that's where I get the idea about flannels. See, I look at the singer's shirts, yeah. and I go, man, if I wear uh, the singer's shirts, maybe D. Boone will still like me. Yeah. So that's why, because I'm from Navy Highland, I don't know what a fucking lumberjack or farmers wear, so you know, you, I don't know. You fuck. thought you disappointed him because you so, couldn't, like. Yeah, I couldn't hear what the fuck this guy was but playing. But you thought maybe if you, play, you put the shirt on. He'll still like me. <laughs> and uh, I got finally got a bass around 16. So for those first couple of years, I'm playing this guitar with four strings. Now, yeah, you're just jamming. But not electric. Is it electric? It's a pawn shop. Yeah, yeah sure. Because Gibsons and Fenders, no way. Right. Also, music was so different then. Yeah. Yeah, it was like in record stores. There was, and also, most music stores are like for school band shit. Right. So like electric guitars and stuff, that was kind of in record stores, you can believe. And there's a place in Pedro called Chuck Sound of Music. And a cat gave lessons out there. This Roy Mendes Lopez, he actually lived in his car. He's a real hippie. Yeah. Uh, not just a uh, rubber stamp, but this sure. dude really, you know, he'd find clothes and use white shoe polish. He got was into Hare Krishna and yeah. stuff, but he's really into fucking making his own guitars and mandolins and playing. In his car? But he lived in the car. He took the fucking seat out. First yeah. a Volkswagen, and then it was a Valiant. Where was he making those guitars? In the fucking car. trip. <laughs> they were so built so thin and be so loud that they would uh, implode from just being tuned up. Yeah, this guy. <laughs> but his big thing was about practice, practice. Yeah. The culture was, though, no one wrote songs. Right. So 
please t- teach us how to copy off records. Right. That's all we did. Yeah. That was really kind of bunk. That's what you did at the beginning. That's what 70s, no one in our town wrote It's all music. cover music. No one ever, right. yeah, even though you're not even playing bars, you're just jamming in your thing. No one thought of music as, a, as expression. Right. It's like building models. Right. You know, it kind of looks like the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, the best guy in town. He's the guy who can play Black Dog the best, you know? Yeah, it's the worst. It's the worst. Nobody's yeah. using music to, like, say something. Right. No original artists there. You know? So you guys- So at not... least, but this is the way we hang out. Right. You know, this is our personal what, thing. what songs were you learning at first? A lot of Blue Oyster Cult, a lot of Creedence, of course. You like Blue Oyster Cult. We, we saw them the most out of all the bands. Maybe really? 10 times. Yeah, they'd come play SoCal. I, th- I think they had a big popular thing here. So they'd be here a lot, and we saw them like 10 times. It's weird because they're not really one of my bands. Yeah, well, yeah you know, I don't know why. <laughs> they had that, th- there's mystery. They yeah. had that uh, symbol. The theatrics. Yeah, but they had this uh, upside yeah. down question mark right, and right, yeah, exclamation yeah. park. And, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I spray painted that on the back of a T-shirt. Sure. I was the only dude at school. You know, there wasn't merchandise in old gig right. days. Gigs were all about promoting albums. Right. It wasn't. It hadn't become an industry. So, right. So I could wear this and be like, I'm the only one who has it, unless maybe you read uh, Richard Meltzer and Cream Magazine or yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Lester Bangs. Colt wasn't that. But uh, I Meltzer don't know. Used to wrote a couple songs for them, right? bunch of lyrics right like stare with the stars she's as beautiful as a foot some even later ones like i'm burning for you yeah that was a big hit and he was a huge rock critic richard Meltzer. he kind of invented rock right i yeah. got to make it out the minutemen were going to collaborate with him yeah he was a hero to us man he actually got us in cream magazine he sent he was, me this card was, yeah uh, like a uh, maybe it was an ace of spade or yeah. a, to a club yeah. i don't know what the fuck can't remember now but he says one day you want to play this card and so we came out with the Beanspill EP, Minutemen. And so I sent one of them with the card back as I'm playing the card. Yeah. And he puts us in the fucking Cree magazine. Oh, yeah. And he says, uh, they're, they're scientist rock. So I use that in history lesson. Scientist rock. Yeah, he called us in. For me and D. Boone to get something like that from Richard, well, he wrote 10 uh, poems. He was going to play sax and, and sing with us, and we were going to collaborate. In fact, I gave D. Boone those words in the last uh, boat ride. Yeah. And when he got killed in the wreck. Right. Later on, maybe four or five years ago, I got to make those songs with Richard plus uh, 43 others. It was like 60, because there were some instrumentals too, so like 63 song album called Spiel Gusher. He lives in Portland now. Uh-huh. So I get, finally got to collaborate Spiel with Spiel Gusher yeah. is the uh, Watt uh, uh, I, I should flow you one. Yeah, I should flow you one because it's great. It's Richard, It's got those 10 poems plus 40 Something others he wrote. Now, do you think, because when, you know, you listen to the Minutemen and all the Firehose and all the stuff that yeah. you guys were doing, I mean, poetry, it seems like you were writing that way. They weren't that, like. Yeah. Well, like, we're part of a movement. Like, I'm, I try to understand, because uh, there's to a lot understand of sp- where we come from. We yeah. come from arena rock. So the way I look at that is like a farmer using a lot of manure. Yeah. Marina rock. Yeah. <laughs> That's the manure. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. And, and we grow out of this. A lot of our punk is reactions against. But also getting turned on to these people we'd never met. But like when you listen, if I listen to the first couple Minutemen records and then the big one, uh, you know, the, the the sound like I, it's hard for me to identify it as punk rock. Like if I was like Double Nickels on the Dime, when I listen to that, it does, it does, it's maybe the punk uh, rock. Like, because you got a different understanding. For yeah. us, punk was never a style of music. Right. Because these people we met. The first, the Hollywood scene, this was before hardcore. Yeah. A lot of these people were older. They weren't really kids. They, 
we were probably the youngest. It was more glitter and glam people, right. artist people. Yeah. Punk was like anything you could get, you know, bands like Nervous Gender. I yeah. Mean, yeah. 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 <laughs> just anything to get away with. Yeah. I remember No Mercy was just a drummer and a singer up in the city and, uh, the Screamers, the first band that could sell out the whiskey, they yeah. didn't have a guitar. Yeah. It, it was anything. It was right. not, it was a state of mind. It so was, they became a style later. I think so. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Well, you got to understand the demographic. It went to very young people in the suburbs. Because no one sounds like you guys. I mean, no one we sounds We thought like... that was the point, though. You're supposed to do <laughs> shit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was part of the right, movement. Right. You weren't... They said anarchy in these things. It was... The test that meant no coercion. It didn't right. mean some kind of violence. It right. meant... Uh, right. Like you're supposed to... Push it. Yeah. Define Joey, yourself. I, I, I was doing this gig and with and Joey... He wasn't Ramones. He had his own band. And he was saying punk was like a hay wagon. If you had something to bring jump on right i think for some people it was never really a style the style belonged to the bands right it wasn't supposed to be but you know uh, marketing people and lazy well so when, when did you and d boone uh you know, really start to figure out that thing you guys do because like he's an amazing he was an amazing guitar player and yeah. it wasn't it wasn't really about chords he was very no. lyrical you know he, and he actually fucking... a lot of his playing with minuteman is um political yeah the pl- politics ain't words right. uh, so much. I mean, he, he had some words that, uh, you know, uh, talk to power or something. Yeah, talk, but actually, to power. that's it. Yeah. He wanted it in the band. Yeah. In the old days, the hierarchy was the guitar man runs the show. Right. He's got these big ass. That's why I couldn't hear the bass on the grand funk records, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was all mushy. It's funny. Overseas, you could <laughs> it's hear the all Mark Farner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, he was hilarious. He'd have a you know, guitar solo, harmonica solo, yeah. organ solo. He'd have a tambourine solo <laughs> and a shirt off. And yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. They were so huge. You it's, saw them when you were a kid, too? Yeah, with Jay Giles. Jay Giles blew them away. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My opinion. But what about the, the, the T-Rex out of the shows? That, that, was that pretty mind-blowing? Yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah, because that's not that's not arena rock. Those but it guys. was a lot different than the albums. Was it just the a- albums are two three minute songs? Yeah. So he'd start off with that. Yeah. Then get on his knees and do ten minutes of glee guitar solo. It yeah, was a yeah. trick. Yeah, I didn't expect that shit it was at all. Amazing, huh? <laughs> I was like, what's this about? And he had a boa instead of flannel. Sure, he had sure, a boa. So sure. that's what I thought a flannel was. It was like a boa. Okay. <laughs> you know. So deep so, wants Deepen politics in the band. So yeah. He says if we're going to be equal. I'm going to be like the guys in R&B. That's why you can hear James Jamerson. That's why you hear Larry Graham, because the guitar guys are playing trebly and yeah, putting space yeah. in between the parts. So no Funky. power chords. Yeah. Right. So that's what he brings up. He says, I want the drums coming up. I want a three-way conversation. We're going to talk about e- equality in these other areas. Let's get it going in the fucking band. That was an idea. That was a spoken was idea. Yeah. He, he put out, and of course, I'm for it. Yeah. Fuck, because I figured out a couple of years before, hey, this is where you put the retarded friend, you know, hey, it's right there. field and Lily where nobody <laughs> fucking hits the ball. Yeah. You, you would meet dudes. Either he was the stand-up player in the school band yeah, yeah. or was a guitar player who couldn't get a gig because all the other dudes are doing it. <laughs> yeah. There was like no pure bass dudes. Right. You know, except Jamerson and well, guys God, like you know, I put some of your stuff on yesterday because I hadn't listened to it in a long time. Yeah, and man, right away the bass is like boom, and you're just driving that fucker. Well, the other thing is for we twenty did, what twenty five years now? How long? Thirty years? More than that. Been driving that bass like that. We started the Minuteman thirty five years ago, January. Yeah, and you were how old? Twenty two. Yeah. Uh. I'm, I'm driving it, but I learn with him. Yeah, so we sure. don't have to teach each other. Right. We had that advantage. Right. You know, we you had both that. Learned we didn't add. We, yeah, we didn't add, answer the ad, the recycler. Right. You right, know, I did right. do that. You did. Because I didn't finish the story about us coming out of copying right. songs. 
when we're copying tie your mother down and dust in the wind and some oh, bullshit really and so we get all sweaty let's take a breather go outside the w- drummer of the weirdos which was one of the first hollywood punk bands he's a pedro dude yeah and named nicky beat jeff yeah. of Isvich. yeah he's wearing a cotex around his neck he's got like vaseline in his hair he goes to us to show you how pathetic th- th- these days are we're just out of high school right we graduate in 76 there's a, and it's, it's the next summer, it's 77. Yeah. He goes, there's a scene up in Hollywood where people write their own songs. <laughs> That's all <laughs> yeah. he said. Yeah, because punk was only pictures. No one knew what it sounded like. Right. Some pictures. And we go up and we see a band called The Bags. Yeah. And the first thing I say to D. Boone is we can do this. Yeah. I don't know why. It just came out of my mouth. You know, I never went to Arena Rock show. hey, we're going to be playing here or some shit. Sure. But this gig, it did. But he didn't want to make a band. Why? Because you gotta understand, in those days, punk was so hated, and uh, there were there was lines drawn. There's the arena rock people, the rock people, and the punks were like, who are these like weirdos? Right. Yeah. I mean, Square John people. Mm-hmm. They like, oh yeah, yeah. But the, it was the other rock and rollers that really hated it. Yeah. Because it represents a lack of professionalism and it, well, messy. Uh, do you remember this thing about disco? I think disco and punk were actually both the same kind of reactions to arena rock. Mm-hmm. You know, we're tired of looking at the star. Look yeah. at us, we're ugly. Uh, disco guys, look at us, we're yeah. pretty. Yeah. These motherfuckers are burning uh, disco records on the baseball sure, fields. Sure. And yeah. It was all this, because they, they own the whole show. I remember were when sell- I, was, I was in high school, dude. I was in high oh, okay. school, like I graduated in 81 and I was in Albuquerque, so it took shit a little time to get there. But I remember when, you know, we actually got new wave before we got punk at my high school. And that was like, disco was being pushed out. Like we'd had enough of that shit, yeah. but it was still around. You know, and then everything changed, like in the late seventies. But you know, big FM radio, the big record oh, yeah. company, classic rock. Sure. They they were selling all the beads and sandals, man. Yeah, Anyone? Yeah. I don't know why. Like was, foreigner. Our thing was such a minority. You know, yeah. punk got big in England quick, but yeah. not over here, man. No. It was tiny. You had to be really into it. Yeah. To do it, I don't know. I, I when I put a picture of Richard Hell on my base, that was like a line in the sand. Yeah. You had to hide all the punk stuff. You know, at first we uh, ripped up our clothes and rode on them and all that, but so much shit, we had to go back to high school clothes and we thought, just keep the punk up in the head. There was such a negative reaction to the scene. I can't believe how open-minded, especially with musicians these days, there's no problem. Right. But in those days, it was a big fucking problem. I can imagine in Berkey. Mm -hmm. I remember, you know, I know from there. Who? Painter man, Robert Williams. Yeah, yeah. I just talked to him. Yeah, he he's told great. me that was a rough town in the 60s. To yeah, grow yeah. Up. He said, when you bought the Mota, that dude just didn't sell Mota. He also broke into people's pads. And yeah. he said it was, he- Berkey was heavy in those days. It's pretty heavy still. Yeah, I mean, like it's. They got yeah. a problem with the police shooting. People, yeah, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. But I still play there every tour. If you look at tour riding, now what I do is I do clockwise in the fall and I do counterclockwise in the spring. And I 40, you know. Well, That's all right, Route 66. Yeah, it all, yeah, it all goes down uh, Route 66. So it's amazing to me that you go ahead and just, that at the beginning, you just thought you could just play. Like the tuning, nothing. But you still got on stage and did it, which is crazy. Yeah. So when did you guys, so you guys well, are like- Well, when the punk movement comes, I mean, that, that's just at high school, you know, and doing that one little thing. Where'd you get the records, though? Because I talked to a lot of dudes at the beginning of punk. The records was really important because those were the punk bands you couldn't- All we could see in Hollywood was the right. Hollywood punk bands. There right. was some, like, Clash or Jam, but by the, you know, they had maybe the first album's good, and then it's all just rock and roll and shit, Stranglers. right. right. 
the really weird records, there was a record store in Long Beach called Zed of London. Mm-hmm. And it was this guy named Mike and his ma. Mm-hmm. And I guess they imported hippie uh, Spacey records like uh, Tangerine Dream and yeah, shit. Yeah. So I, they had the connects yeah. with the independent labels over right. there. So when punk came, now nobody wrote about you know the pop group, Wire, all this shit. We would just pick them out by the cover yeah. or the name of the band. Yeah. And they were only two bucks, you know, singles. And uh, wait until uh, we had time off on weekend, eat L. And then listen to them. And, you know, a lot of these been the fall. You never heard it before, so yeah. it would just hit you. Yeah. Cabaret Voltaire. Yeah. Red Crayola. Yeah. They, they were actually from Texas, but he ended up in England. All these, we would never get to see these guys right, at a gig. Sure, sure. But the records were really important because it showed you. Uh, some skater made a sticker out of something D. Boone once said. It says, punk was whatever we made it to be. Mm-hmm. And these dudes were living proof. It was like, like when you say that. Pull it out of the air. The problem was, I think, with understanding the Minuteman is because that culture we came out of, of 70s punk, those people burned out pretty quick. Mm-hmm. The only ones coming to the gigs were the younger guys from the suburbs in the early 80s, and it's all fast music. Yeah. And they called this hardcore. Right. There was East Coast, too, like Ian and yeah, uh, right. Discord and yeah. stuff up New York. Uh, the Bad Brains, of sure. course, and this really fast way of playing. Actually, uh, Dr. No, Gary, he told me they were a fusion band. At first. Oh, really? And then went over to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but because that's what it is. See, yeah. uh, I think in that way it can't ever die. If you talk about it as ethic more than a style, it makes more sense. Sure. You can understand us hearing this word punk. Yeah. And, my, and Pedro, punk is a dude who gets fucked in jail for cigarettes. I mean, why would you call <laughs> right, your right. music this, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but New Wave, uh, I got a little suspicious. And then later they called it alternative. It's sort of pop music. That was pop. Yeah, but it's from the upstairs. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. ain't from people right. don't give a fuck and, and don't fit in, so they make their own parallel universe well that's, that's what that's what you guys did well we uh, we got involved with this movement but yeah, but that but, was doing it wasn't just us Mark. no i know i know but I, I, I can't tell you what the Minuteman would sound like or there would be a Minuteman if there was no punk movement well you yeah, had incredible and that, influence and that like the the crew at sst records and absolutely and all those cats and look at that how'd that happen i don't know the dude's fucking handing out flyers they're gonna do their like one of the first gigs in pedro yeah they're going to rent. We had these things called teen centers, yeah. a teen post. Right. They just fixed one up in the kind of hood part. Yeah. And Dukowski rents it out. Yeah. You know, the guy from the, SST? Yeah, he was yeah. the bass man yeah. uh, on Flag and yeah. co-, co uh, Yeah. Greg was really SST. It meant solid state transmitter. He was right. into ham radio. That's yeah. why he got into torn because yeah. he talked to dudes and others. A lot of this shit makes sense if you sh- chase the shit down. Anyway, they're so you're saying out. wait the head of SST who was in Black Flag, right? Yeah, Greg he did. was he was a ham radio aficionado, so that was the way it communicated gigs initially. Well, no, this is his idea about touring. Right. I think the only Hollywood band with a van was the Dills. These yeah. guys didn't think about playing anywhere but Hollywood. Right. Uh, Greg's like, no, I've talked to people in other towns. I know about the world. We're going to tour. Yeah. Uh, he didn't. You by that time he's out of. Actually, when Black Flag was first starting, we still had the company because I soldered the antenna to it. I met these guys. Now, for Hollywood people, anything south of Hollywood is the beach. Yeah. So they think fucking Hermosa Beach is the same as Pedro. Right. We don't know these guys for fucking <laughs> shit. I mean, D. Boone's half-brother Jim uh, used to take a hammer and his buddies would go down because uh, they'd put up their surfboards. This is in the 60s yeah. on the Strand, right yeah. on the wall. And like fucking, fucking fuck knock holes in the fuck. they called them dappies yeah there was like not a lot of now we weren't that village you know yeah, on yeah, beach yeah, dudes yeah. but yeah. Th- we didn't really know them the harbor ain't the beach yeah 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 <laughs> kind of <laughs> yeah. but not for hollywood you guys you know whatever right so i guess we got thrown in but what it, what really was was 
this connection about Pedro, like they're going to put on this gig. Yeah. And we couldn't believe they were going to try to do a punk gig in Pedro. And I said, why that? Because we live in Pedro. So we're the only punk band. In P- Pedro's got a punk band? Yeah, it's us. Will you open? I think it was like before Charlie Manson when dudes wore long hair. Yeah. If some dude had balls to do that, you could trust him. Yeah. And I think it was like that too. You could yeah. just trust somebody. We didn't know these guys for shit. Yeah. And they asked us to open up. And then Greg sees two of our gigs. You can be SSTOO too. Minute Man Paranoid Time. Yeah. It was different in those days because because of the scene being so small. You know, so they took to you and they said, you, you, and we you, took to them. And you, know, you could talk to Darby. Darby, they get done germs, get it done talk uh, playing. You can yeah. talk to Darby. Yeah, the dude might be standing next to you, Pat or yeah. Lorna. Yeah, uh, Don. Don's still around. And actually, Don was from Arizona. Don who? Bowles. Yeah, the germs drummer. The punk thing was all about people and community. Yeah, and that that you guys were, became like sort of like but we didn't know these guys. It was right. just because oh you're weird enough to be in this shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that's how everyone got to know each other. That's how it happened. A bunch of fucking accidents, people slamming in. Uh, you know, you fly over SoCal, looks like one big thing, but you know it's 150 towns. Sure. Like this neighborhood here, I've never been in. There's yeah. so many. Yeah. We're balkanized, right? Yeah, right. So all these dudes are coming from the Valley, Inland Empire, South Bay. Yeah. Whatever, boo. Yeah. <laughs> Beverly Hills, maybe. I yeah. don't know the fuck. O- yeah. OC. Yeah. The one thing that uh, glued us all together, Stooges. See, that's why that is such a fucking mind blow that happened. Yeah. So what happened was D-Boom would not make a band with me at first. Yeah. So we had this thing called The Recycler. In fact, it's still around. Sure. Now they're for free. I remember. That's where I got all my cars, all my yeah. uh, Fenders and yeah, Gibsons. Yeah. They also had ads for musicians. Sure. Yeah. And these dudes uh, had one out for a bass player. It was on Santa Monica Boulevard. And this time it'd be like hundreds of dudes hitchhiking. Uh-huh. You know, it's still yeah. in the 70s. And... Um, I go in there, I, I jammed uh, this uh, drummer man, he is his Pops Electric Shop, and him and a guitar and a, a lady singer, we did I Want to Be Your Dog for four and a half hours. <laughs> I came back down to Pedro and told D. Boone, okay, I'll make a band with you. And that's when we made this band. That well, ends who up, was that band? Did they end up being anybody? Well, the drummer ended up in the F word, but I don't think they ever ended yeah. up being anything. Yeah. But they liked the way I played, but when D. Boone said he wanted to make a band, I said to tell him, sorry, yeah. and they, I'm going to do this. And But D. Boone didn't like this band, really. Yeah. He didn't write one song. D. Boone always had it in his mind the Minutemen was going to be the real band. Yeah. So after about a year and a half, two years of that band. Which band? It was called The Reactionaries. Yeah. yeah. And it was you first and time ever. And who? Martin Tamburvitz and George Hurley. Yeah. Ended up being the, the drummer. The drummer, but for, not at first. Right. We had a welder man. Yeah. And then he got two uh, punk gigs. Went, got scared yeah he ran off left his drum shit yeah, which guy the, the, the drummer man? man yeah the welder man frank tachi you know I, and i never saw him about nine years later i saw him again in peter he goes you know i shouldn't have quit <laughs> but he's a good cat and, and georgie georgie had ju- he had joined a new wave band called hey taxi and he had just quit he learned all them songs in three weeks and when we recorded in one night paranoid time that's how it happened but the way uh i gotta say it was a lot about community yeah I think things are always going to be about community. It's always going to be about people. Yeah. So I don't think it's just one moment in time. Yeah. Now, but it's interesting to me that so many of you guys are still friends. 
See, that's the beautiful thing oh. about that whole scene is that you know I had John Doe in here, I had Kim wow. Gordon in here, yeah. I've had Giggy in here, I had Jay yeah. in here, yeah. I had cats who you know you, they talking about like how they got the records, mail in records, yeah. mail order, the you know, fans. When you made the cassette, and this is what I like. Yeah, this is what I like. Yeah, and that. But so many of you guys still know each other. You still play with each other. You yeah. have this mutual respect. You know, you, you talk about arena rock and those guys that become almost immortalized or mythic who the fuck how are they gonna have friends the the thing oh. is is that you guys still have your feet on the ground and, you, and and even when you're playing with iggy and shit you all seem to cross paths you and ian you know you you guys know each other there's a brotherhood that that continues to exist yeah, there's absolutely. a humility to the whole thing uh i think it was the conditions too man because if you weren't into it it wasn't going to happen man. right people hated it yeah you had to be a pusher yeah a shover yeah and uh, so you know, Paranoid Time was an EP. Uh, you booked things through the phone. Yeah. It was Dukowski's phone book. Yeah, yeah. He built that fucking circuit we're still touring on. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's incredible. It, it was about people. What was that? Dukowski was, uh, he, he was the guy at SST? He was both the bass player for, for Black, Black Flag, Flag yeah. and part, co-owner with uh, Greg Ginn. And you're still working off his phone book. <laughs> In a way, well, got to email and shit yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, but yeah. He's the one, you know, Flag actually built that fucking circuit. People would like play New York. Actually, the city had a bigger scene than we did. Mm -hmm. SF, you know, it, it went through some cycles here yeah. too with the hard drugs and shit like that. Yeah. This idea of torrent, that's Black Flag. Where you yeah. play Shreveport, you play Boise, you know. <laughs> and you guys did that. You got well, well, we were total students. Yeah. You know, uh, the, uh, there was, we didn't know about, remember younger uh, reading, uh, I don't know, Circus or. Yeah. Some of them other yeah, shill sure, mags. Sure, sure. And all the tour stories were big, like, ah, this is yeah. terrible. The, yeah, yeah, horrible. It's a nightmare. Yeah. Well, when we started doing this, ain't nightmare. This is a trip. People pay money. They call these vacations. <laughs> yeah. We got to see all this shit. You know, we didn't get to, you know, working dads and shit. You can't go see these things without. But this offered us an opportunity. Of course, yeah. D Boone had us go to every Civil War, Revolutionary uh, battlefield we could. And, uh, and he's a real, he was a real history buff. He's way into history. I, in fact, I had never, the only nonfiction I read was this, my mom got sold a world book. Yeah, the encyclopedia. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it started with A's. And yeah. <laughs> That's the only nonfiction I ever read. Yeah, but um, he was into it, huh? He was, he was way into it. He got me it. into it. Yeah. And so we would get into this, oh, yeah. Minuteman was notorious for fighting over things. Yeah. Uh, you know, fist fights too and shit and get the pressure off and sure or but uh, all three shit. oh yeah yeah georgie too georgie was a pretty smart dude yeah uh, still is but uh other things like uh, drive to the library we gotta look this shit up <laughs> before google you know, no iphone yeah, yeah it was a king, a king edward the third or the second that had to walk through the snow so he wouldn't be executed so yeah, you had to drive and stop it on the road yeah, you would insane, stop at the public insane. library because i think all three of us were fir first born yeah so you don't always have to have an older brother. Right. You become the older brother, but with your other ones, there's a little bit of... Yeah. Th let's let's put it this way. There was no, like, head trips. Uh, uh, nothing was stewing. Nothing right. was... Right. Everything just brought out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, oh, I'll tell sweet, you though. about uh, Ig, though. Mm -hmm. Working with him, what I found common with D. Boone, mm -hmm. same at work ethic. Yeah. When, when, you, when Ig's going to do a show, that's all that fucking... Ma this might be the last gig. Yeah. One time we played this fucking racetrack in England. I think it was Donington or some up in the mid mid part, and he goes, you know, Mike, we do these things. I feel like short order cook, like I got to get everybody's order. You know, it's fifty thousand dudes. I got to get everybody's order. <laughs> you you want you want fries? You, you want you want sh what, what strawberry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is how he's doing a gig. Thank you. I think it's whole. Uh, 
Even though it's a big arena thing, look, I ended up playing some of these big, but his ethic is still the same. Well, he's like wide open, dude. That dude, like, you know, when you- But actually, it goes back to vaudeville, maybe. Maybe this shit is a long, long tradition. Yeah. Yeah, but like when he performs, I can feel it. Like, cause oh, it, yeah. he's like in a different time zone, man. It's not, it's not like a song and he's a song and dance man, but it's jarring and he's like emotionally raw and you can feel that shit. So he wants to make sure everybody's getting connected with that. He's the bow of the boat. And uh, look at this too. He's yeah. also not operating a machine. Yeah. So in a way, he's a bridge for the people to us. Sure. He gets the, he's the big picture dude. Yeah, yeah. And it's important for him to work a gig. Yeah. He don't like, uh, what you call it? Uh, paint by numbers? Yeah. Going through the motion. He, right. Sleepwalking. He ain't into that no, shit. No, no. It's like, let's work this. Yeah, fuck. Yeah. And that way, it's just like D Boone. He was I like couldn't that believe too. that. Yeah, D Boone was totally like, well, D Boone, big bones, a little yeah. heavier, always getting picked on in school. Now I'm going to. Yeah. It's yeah. not like I'm not better than you guys, but now it's time to play some guitar and sing for yeah, you. He can fucking and play dance. guitar, dude. Oh yeah. So that was a tri- trippy yeah. thing for me when yeah. playing in both situations. Sure. And seeing that comment. Even though they were from a different time zone. And different time of your life. And different time of my life. These guys, uh, that shows you the, um, what, what can I say? Arts, expression. Sure. It's a fabric that connects us no sure. matter where. We're f- yeah. Somebody once told me, it's not where you're from, it's where you're at. And that, the fabric of expression. Yeah, yeah. Which, so, like George Carlin, or uh, I found out later his uh, thing was Lenny Bruce. Sure. Yeah, Lenny. And so Lenny I got into him, and I got his uh, uh, records. Yeah, <laughs> there's a groove, Picnic man. Picnic on the Graveyard thing. Yeah, yeah. That's a, yeah, but the dude was intense, too. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to work this show. Yeah. I'm going to talk about significant things. We're going to have some fun with it. But we're going to blow some we're gonna minds. We're going to deal with it. Yeah. yeah we're gonna, prior, I'm, too. I'm so lucky to prior be. Prior, too. Yeah. And prior was, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but he's a little later, right? The, uh, this, yeah, I think, is a, in the 50s, sure, in the no, 60s. Yeah, Lenny, well, Lenny was uh, you know, the seed of, uh, of you know, what became later Pryor and, and later Carlin. Yeah. Okay. Like, okay. Carlin and Pryor were both sort of mainstream, and then Lenny blew their minds, and then they had to figure That's out That's right. To, yeah. And there was another guy, too, Newhart. And, yeah, Newhart's and, great. And Shelly. Shelly Berman, yeah. Because yeah. uh, Lenny yeah. talks about this. See, I started uh, the story this with Shelly Burn and the gangsters. <laughs> the, the, the Shelly Burman's like uh, making fun of the gangsters in the office. Yeah, Lenny tells that story. Whoa, right, whoa. right, Go yeah, on. yeah. And there story? was another cat. He was called uh, Lord Buckley. Th- that's how I was going to say he <laughs> would do the scat rap. Yeah. You know what? We found out punk. That was just for you know. Somebody once said the only thing new is you finding out yeah, about it. That's right. Because a lot of this stuff were part of these kind of traditions. But it's interesting. To Walt me. Whitman, right? Yeah, sure. Eighteen fifty-five. Yeah. DIY. He puts that out himself. Yep. Leaves the grass. There you go. Boom. Uh, Woody, Woody Guthrie. So yep. we start, uh, Raymond. You know, I meet Raymond Pettibone right in the scene. These people I met in the scene. I mean, yeah, they had here? yeah, they had fake names and they were insane, obviously. Yeah. But they were, they just didn't fit. They were deep dudes. They knew more about music. They taught me and D Boone so much about art stuff. I learned about Dada and yeah. Surreal from Pettibone. Oh yeah, yeah. Fucking, he's the first guy who plays uh, Coltrane for me. Oh wow. We thought, come on, Navy, how's that? I didn't know jazz. Yeah. We, actually, we thought they were old dudes doing punk yeah i didn't know he was dead yeah he but you know you <laughs> listen to that stuff it was like ascension you know yeah. like what live in seattle yeah that is interesting that's like you guys are sort of closer <laughs> to coltrane than other punk bands that's for sure we thought they were part of the movement because <laughs> we didn't know anything we didn't we didn't all the all rock we all we knew was arena rock you know but, FM. You saw, but you saw it as a movement early on i mean you totally, and boone totally. said like we're, we're this is this is our well, you could tell part of it yeah you could tell that 
Some of the shit was totally provocative. Some of this shit was anti-rock and roll. Sure. Now, the way we saw rock and roll connection was uh, Little Richard. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Lee Lewis. Yeah. It wasn't so much Pete Frampton. And stuff. I mean, sure. nowadays, I can, I, anybody who plays music, it, I have respect for. Right. But th- there was other ideas I, when I was at well, that I age. But at that time, though. It seemed like the technique was too much uh, the issue. Right, but when when you listen to those early Minutemen, when because yesterday yeah. I listened to the entire you know double nickels on the dime. Oh wow! Yeah, I listened to the whole thing straight through, and it was like, where did this come from? I mean, like you're telling me your influences are Credence or whatever, but you know your bass playing and his guitar playing and yeah. then the drumming, it's like it doesn't sound like anything else. Uh, so what were you guys drawing from? Are you just rolling with it? Would you just jam it out? Yeah. Well, some of them records from overseas, there was a band, Wire. Yeah. And an album called Pink Flag. That yeah, was, yeah. That was the little idea. Okay. Uh, the idea of putting Parliament with Captain Beefheart. Yeah. There was a band called Pop Group. Okay. And they're the guys that said, why not? So that's Why not a- do anything you want to? Right. Just uh, uh, like Mule, right? Yeah. You sure you're not going to get another generation, but you can yeah. you know, get the donkey and horse fucking. And, yeah. and, so that's what we thought. <laughs> we came up with that idea, and then the idea, there's only two categories, gigs and flyers. Mm-hmm. And everything that ain't a gig is a flyer. The, 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 the idea of a club gig was so profound on us. Nobody in the middle. Yeah. Maybe like when, when you're working a thing. Sure. Right? There's just the gig goer and yeah. you. Yeah, that's it. And there's no... Yeah. There's some guy at the door, maybe, but yeah. he ain't in between you. Yeah, right. So we thought, you know, and after a whole teenage life of arena rock, we thought this was so profound. So albums are trying to come up with your own sound. These are flyers to get people to the gig. Right. So we're trying to make the music interesting on right. purpose. Right. But not as as works into themselves. And we didn't. No. We were so much in the moment. Yeah. And then once you got into gigs, I'm so you're glad. Like, in keep... fact, the first idea of records, D Boom wanted there was these booths you could put Fifty Cents sure. in it and made these wax records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd do that so they'd destroy them, you know, like Mission Impossible. The shit would destroy. <laughs> yeah, it just turned to shit. Yeah, we thought the whole idea of things lasting was part of the problem. Right. And you should be in this permanent right. reinventing yourself. You and know, that's you so know when would, you're a younger man. It's, sure. And, and you just wanted to. So were the live shows that the Minutemen did all different? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, like, in terms of. There was of, parts in two where we had improvise. Yeah. Because you, you, know, you built that in all the time. Yeah. And that must be also good. played it all like it's one song, right? They weren't supposed to be little songs. It was like one big river. And you still think that way? I mean, I, with I these operas do. and with yeah. operas, absolutely. Yeah, I never thought I was going to get into that shit. Right. But when I finally dealt with D Boone ki- getting killed, I couldn't put it in one song. What happened? Um, uh, you the, guys had done like four records. Our last tour was. Yeah. Um, opening for this band actually we had to buy the album this band called rem asked us to open up for them yeah so we buy a record to see what they sounded like yeah, yeah. it had that ear on a wood block swinging yeah yeah and it was whoa kind of folk with the driving drum under it yeah uh get to meet them and god they knew about all the music they were incredible guys yeah uh, peter and michael and yeah mike and um bill yeah and but that ends up our last tour because uh d boone was in a van and uh uh, it was in a wreck. Yeah. And um, he was killed. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, the band was over. Yeah. It, but you We had were... done more than four records. Uh, you mean like albums? Yeah, full albums. Yeah, yeah, maybe four. And we made a bunch of little. Yeah, the EP ones. thing was huge, though, right? And the, the little yeah, records. that's right. Because what Those you are want... the flyers. 
So are the albums. Yeah, 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 yeah. Double Nickels on the Dime you mentioned. That was mixed in one night. Ethan James did that. I paid for that. It was $1,100. Yeah. Actually, it was one album. And then yeah. the Hooskers came to town and yeah. made a double album. So we said, fuck, we should make one too. So we wrote up a bunch of songs. And that's I, yeah, how I, talk, it came. I talked to Bob Mold about SST. Bob. About sweeping over there. Well, <laughs> me and D Boom put out their first album. It's called Lance P Record. Yeah. Because we had a label called New Alliance. Uh-huh. Punk was about not just a band, but putting on shows and putting out records. Yeah. D Boone had a fanzine called The Prol. Yeah. yeah. All kinds of shit. Yeah. I mean, it maybe didn't get as big as the idea of the Minutemen, but we tried all these little things and we put out the first Husker album. Uh huh. Those guys, uh, beautiful men. And they, oh, yeah. uh, ins- that's why when you open up the album, it says, Take That Huskers, because we were inspired by them to do that. Well, or isn't there, you know, there's a picture on that's uh, a fire, fire hose record. Well, that's actually a picture of my wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's Hooskers on yeah, that. Yeah, there's so Hooskers people, yeah. on there. So people said, why'd you make a fucking Hoosker album? I said, no, that's my wall. So, all right, so... so Because Bob Dylan, I took that, if you don't know by now. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, that's that's where Iffin comes from? I, yeah, Iffin. Yeah, yeah. He took these witty yeah, kind yeah, of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the Hooskers are, are uh, Minneapolis. Yeah. And, and that's where Dylan's Dylan is. Minnesota. Sure. So, so it's all connected. But nobody got that. <laughs> D Boone used to say to me, you know, your fucking lyrics are too spacey. People don't know what you're. So on that record, I read a landlady. Yeah. No, you know, Kathy Sealing, that's leaking. I said, is this real enough, D Boone? <laughs> you know, don't use the shower. Yeah, yeah. You know, right. But he had a na- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't that good. I still ain't that good with words. What seems to me to be very uh, clear and apparent, like people don't know what the fuck I'm talking. Like the title, it just meant going the speed limit. Which title? Double nickels oh. on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> people thought it had something to do about but, freeway but, but, numbers. But you have a way. You have a language. I mean, I, I don't know you, and oh, I just yeah. met you, and and there it's understandable. But it takes a second. In the Pedro sense, speak. Yeah, is that was it? Is it Pedro speak? <laughs> Is that what you call it? I've, no, I don't call, but I've had people say that. Because most people in Pedro don't talk. But, but like not it. only that, but but you have a respect. The way you talk is there's a familiarity with the mythology that is your life. That you reference people that you know personally, you know, yeah. by their first names or by nicknames, and you use the word um, yeah, welder man and this kind of stuff. Yeah. There's a there's a, a poetic to it, and I think the poetic of it, you know, also is shown in your music. There's a there's a way of speaking that's uniquely yours, but I can understand it. <laughs> oh. Well, look, we never knew what words were for in the songs. We thought they were like lead guitars. Yeah. Well, Dylan was like a guy who showed up at a weird uncle at Thanksgiving in his mother and shit. Yeah. But all the rest, yeah. you know, what is smoke on the water? You know, yeah. the bong. Yeah. You know, yeah. We didn't know what the fuck this shit yeah, was. Yeah. But with when we went and saw those punk gigs, it was like them dudes were trying to tell you something. Right. <laughs> and so that's the mo- Again, it's influence yeah. of the movement. Yeah. Even though, yeah, it's kind of weird and insane. They are trying to get something across. They're trying to, and we just didn't get that before. So I think that's what we started putting into our, our spiel. We want to, I mean, you make it personable. Yeah. You know, life isn't that long. Right. You don't take uh, things for granted. You want to make things alive. So right. why, why shouldn't spiel be alive? Why shouldn't uh, any kind of expression, you know, the man who, who's going to repair this hammer, the yeah. man who built this hammer, yeah. all this kind of shit. Yeah. You, you got to embolden some kind of life into it. Yeah. That, uh, uh, I don't know. Taking It's almost like taking uh, power that's been t- took uh, pride out of you. Yeah, right. Trying to now, take it back. Now, did you have these realizations? I mean, I know we talked a little bit about uh, about dropping acid earlier. Yeah. Where, did, did you... Were there... I think eating now was good uh, for that kind of stuff because you ask yourself a lot of... Yeah. I mean, the last time I did was... 83, so what's that? I know, it's a long time. Yeah. 93, 2003. 32 years, I ate yeah. ADL. Yeah. But there was a period where I ate it every weekend. Yeah. <laughs> and like where the corner, see yeah. that corner? Yeah. 
is it poking in or is it poking out and I'm poking around it? You know, yeah, that kind of shit. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. You got you to start uh, reevaluating all your assumptions. Perception. Yeah. Your well, some my pop would say, you assume you make an ass out of you and me. Yeah. yeah so think about all, like like what we did, uh, Arena Rock vis uh, the punk movement. Right. You know, gigs and flyers. Right. It's not like the old scheme. Right. So L help. Uh, yeah. clear the slate in a way yeah. and we would call it loaves of wonder bread you, know, you just keep wondering and wondering and wondering <laughs> now, I, I wouldn't make a whole lifestyle of that but for that boom in my life I think it was really important yeah, sure because I didn't there was so much pressure about what is right what is what is talent right. what is uh, acceptable How, what, what will uh, you know high school peer thing uh what, 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 peer pressure yeah right yeah, no, yeah. It, should I like it because yeah, yeah, will they like me oh, liking yeah, that yeah, you know yeah. this shit after, it don't mean fuck all yeah. actually I come back to that with my third opera because I think in middle age you go over that again yeah. it's like fuck it it's my life I'm going Hy- out anyway this is a hy- hyphenated, hyphenated man. man and all the titles of the songs are something man well it's actually one song with little parts yeah. oh, oh so that's how it's, it's one man split into 30 parts got it yeah, a little bit Pete Towns in there, right? Quadrophenia. <laughs> right? He's got all the little mirrors. So it's a little part of that. But I think a middle-aged man, you have to uh, yeah, make compromises. It, you it, have to reconcile. You have to be different parts of things. Well, yeah, you uh, all those things, because there's still, like I just read this thing by, uh, I don't remember who's, uh, uh, one of the poets wrote to his, to his kid that there's there's always a child inside you. That child that you were is there in there. Okay. So like all these different directions you may have pulled yourself or, uh, you know, you still have to reckon with the fact that there's a child in you looking at all these different manifestations of how you survived as long as you have. But what's not there of the child is the physical body. I know. So, well, you have to reconcile things. I know. You don't have that to deal with. You think Minuteman, see, this is the thing about the third opera. I never thought I was going to write three. I wrote a sad one for... The one about your dad's beautiful. Yeah, well, it's actually about, about Boone. Boone. Yeah, but it, I lost my pop too around yeah. that period. Why'd you use then? It's why about did... losing people, right? But in your heart, the emotional driver of that was about D Boone. Well, yeah, because I could use that to. T- I didn't know how to talk about it. I needed a parallel. I need a, a mo- why, motif. Why, why didn't you know how to talk about it? I think if you're too literal, yeah, you lose some truth. Yeah, because I don't think you got language... no distance. You have no distance. Yeah, in language. It's about labels, and they're never going to really fit. That's why you have to pretend and use symbols right, and right, metaphor sure. and yeah, analogy. Yeah. yeah, not totally, but there's no such thing as nonfiction. Right, really. right, yeah, right. <laughs> Think about it. Even those encyclopedias. Yeah. Second one, uh, God, I lived. Yeah. I think I just wanted to ce- celebrate. Yeah. Not dying. Third one, what happened was in 2005. Now you know, after Dee Boone got killed, I couldn't listen to Minuteman. It made me sad. Did you think you were going to stop playing altogether? Oh, I did stop. It was Thurston who got me back. Thurston some, some, Moore? Yes. Who's the other Thurston? I know. <laughs> I the, the one from Gilligan's. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, Thurston Howell the third. <laughs> he, because uh, I didn't think people wanted to hear me play without D-Boom, but he got me to do this, something called Chaconi Youth and uh-huh. play on an evil uh-huh. album called... Yeah, the, that uh, Sonic Youth record. Yeah, Right, there's some poem that Lee reads. Yeah. Uh, and you play on that. Yeah. Well, actually, I just jammed to Steve Shelley, and then they made a song out of it. Okay. <laughs> That's the way Sonics. Even when you do a cover, they play right to the record. Right. <laughs> you can hear the fucking record. <laughs> Anyway, they got me back into playing, and then Edward came out from Ohio, and that's the fire hose. And I owe Edward a lot because, again, got How me did back that, in the South. Right, so you were like- I didn't know you had to pay money to have your number unlisted. But you were heartbroken, I'd imagine, yeah, and just devastated. Drinking. drinking. And uh, I didn't know you had to pay money to have your phone number not in the book. Right, okay. 
So Edward called me up. He says, so the, I'm coming over. Who is this guy? I don't know. He's into U2 and REM. He's got bleached hair. He wasn't into I said, you're Minutemen? coming over. He's like, no, no. He's a, from Ohio. Well, he had a roommate. I guess he just started college. Yeah. And he, uh, yeah, he's going to drive out. to. And I thought, you going to come out here? So I thought, if he had balls enough to do that shit, okay, yeah. make a band with him. Really? That's how Firehose happened. And he, did he play for you? Seven, seven and a no, half years. Did he play for the when he drove out? What did you have? What did he do? He showed. I up? told you he had bleached hair and he's yeah. into U two and shit. Did, I like had nothing to do with it. But did you? Did you? Did well, you REM show? ended up being the last band we toured with, so yeah. I had that kind of common thing. And plus, he's a, a sweet guy, man, and he and he wanted to play. He'd yeah. never been in a band. He never owned an amp. I bought him his first. Did band. he know your your style though? Uh, no, Not really. He's from another scene, you know, <laughs> younger. <laughs> Why'd he call you? Because he just. He like, wants to play. Okay. And I, I guess this guy, well, what happened? What's, here's what he told me. Yeah. His, him and his roommate went and saw Camper Van Beethoven. Sure, band, sure. And the bass player in that band told him that there's no more Minuteman. Mm hmm. Because what yeah. happened to D Boone. Right. And so I, I guess he, he, the guy, they were Baracho or some shit. And he, hey, why'd you call him what? He's yeah. in the fucking book. Yeah. So he called me up. Yeah. And I was like, come on. But he showed up at the door. Yeah, and that's how Firehose. He's good. He's a good player. And yeah, and, and, and yeah, and then at that period, I was. And then Georgie's from Minutemen, so that's how Firehose got going. Uh, it was hard. Those were the hardest, hardest, hardest things for me. Just to to play. Yeah, emotion. I told you I got into music to be with my friends. So right. I'm not really a musician. Right. So he's gone. Right. Ugh. Yeah. What to do? Well, I kept plowing on. Now, what happened was. 2005, yeah. these guys, Tim and Keith, want to make a documentary on the Minutemen. Now, I've been asked by a lot of dudes, and I always said no. But these dudes were actually too young to see us, so yeah. they don't know anything about the band. Yeah. So, all oh, the story can be about you finding out about us. Yeah. Well, I got to listen to Minutemen again. Uh. I got to know what I'm talking about. They want me to go down. It's right. called We Jammy Con. Yeah, yeah. This uh, documentary. Yeah. You can see it on YouTube. Uh so I'm listening to the music again, these yeah. little songs like what you just right. listened to. Yeah, I was like, man, I want to do this again. Yeah. But I don't want to rip D. Boone and Georgie off. Yeah. So I'm thinking, how can I do this without it being fucking, you know, yeah. Potsy and Fonzie and Happy Days yeah, and yeah. shit? Me being just a rip-off sentimental nostalgia fraud. Yeah. Same time, uh, I'm with the Stooges in uh, yeah. Madrid. And it's the uh, 400th birthday of uh, Mr. Cervantes' uh, Don Quixote. Oh, Don Quixote, okay. Okay, so there, we're doing some gig in La Mancha in celebration. And yeah, I, yeah. It was in an alley. It was the trippiest fucking gig. Wow. Of course, Ig tore it up, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ronnie and Scotty were... That, man, the Stooges playing in 2005, 2006 was like, whoo. Yeah. But the tell we stay in downtown Madrid, it's next to some museum called Prado. Yeah. Well, they got eight, nine... Mr. Bosch's one one guy I got because of those uh Hieronymus Bosch. Yeah, because yeah. of those encyclopedias yeah. and the time I was a boy yeah. in Virginia, I really got into astronauts, dinosaurs, and these weird paintings. Yeah. Okay. They're there in real life. Oh, they ain't on the book. Yeah. I, first I spent hours I couldn't find them because they don't call them that. Right. You know what they call them? What? El Bosco. So okay. if you go there, look for El Bosco. Okay. Well, I see them in real life. Yeah. And whoa. I mean, the dude, there's no glass. Yeah. And they're painting on the wood, you yeah. know, and the, the Guard to Earthly Delights, yeah. and Hey Wayne, and uh, Adoration Magi, uh, Seven Deadly Sins, a Stone Surgeon, and maybe this Temptation of St. Anthony, that might be his. But anyway, they're all in there. And looking at these things, all these little things to make one big thing. I thought, this is like a Minuteman gig yeah. or a Minuteman album. Yeah. So this is when it starts get, uh, getting on me. 
I can do like an opera, a third opera. Yeah. And I can use this style of the Minuteman right. uh, short format. Yeah. But the libretto, yeah. I, I I won't be uh, totally ripping off my old guys because I'll write about being middle-aged punk rocker because right. Minutemen would never write about that. Yeah, we yeah. weren't there. Right. And uh, that was the basis of it. So of. it was all these things. Then I brought in one third thing. It was the Wizard of Oz movie. Yeah. Because it seems a lot about middle age, what makes a man. Yeah. I think you you, you live that out as a younger man, but right. you start with thinking about right, it as right, a middle-aged right. guy because yeah, yeah, you're yeah, losing yeah. it. Yeah. Well, if you look at Dorothy in that movie, man, right. if you notice in the book, because I went and read the book after, the farmhands are the fucking lion and the scarecrow <laughs> sure. and shit. Yeah, so I'm, and then there's flying monkey man and there's the man behind the curtain man yeah. and the munchkin man and all. <laughs> And she's looking at all these kind of do. It's kind of coming of age for her. Yeah, and not. I'm think she's only in love with the dog, right? right? So it ain't like that kind of coming age. But she's seeing the game, you know, what men do. Even uh, when the man behind the curtain, man, you where I come from. Yeah, if you're brave. Yeah. You get the medal. You get it, the diploma. You know, validation, right? Yeah, yeah. In middle age, you're like, you know, either you go postal or you know, you just say fuck it. Right. There's a lot of things that don't matter like they used to. They don't at all. Right. So, you know, this is my life. I've, yeah. I've, I've done everything you've asked of me, and look. Yeah. I'm still going to shrivel up, and so I'm going to make some decisions. This is what middle-aged me might not be a bad thing. Yeah. Because you got experiences. Your body ain't as strong, but, you know, of course, when you're younger, you know everything, yeah. so you, you do have that disadvantage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but, but the weird thing is, ultimately, what you're talking about is the, is is really wrestling and you know you, you you know you lost a friend, so you wrestle with that. But when you get to be middle age, and you start to realize like, oh shit, I'm running out of time, and like some things aren't really that important that I thought used to be. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're thinking like, well, I'm really running out of time. I don't need to panic, but I better make sure my shit is in order. That's right. <laughs> make the you yeah. know almost right. econo bang for buck, make right. it count. Right. And also realize like you know to really take in the idea of like you know that that you die. It's hard, man. Fuck it is. And your and your dudes alongside yeah. going down. Yeah, you see it. You see it. Yeah, my ma just come out of cancer surgery, and she's eighty. I know it's coming, but, but you know our minds. We yeah, try yeah, to yeah, try yeah. to keep everything sure, out. Sure, sure. So what I try to do is deal with some middle age with hyphenated man. Mm -hmm. And there's you make a lot of compromises, mm -hmm. but you know there's so, still some stuff I can't reconcile. And the big thing is how we treat each other. Uh, on a inhumane level, mm -hmm. I don't think there's any way to justify that. Mm -hmm. That might be, uh, kind of be a cynical, uh, you know, summation of the whole mm -hmm. trip. I just wrote that whole fucking thing freeform. I used D Boone's guitar. You did? I had to. I was so scared to talk about some things. I thought, man, just like, you know, maybe you still like me if I wear the flannels. Sure, man. <laughs> so you, <laughs> you know, so I used this, and I can't really play guitar. I like, yeah. I, he showed me some things. A lot of the four things and pull offs. Yeah, and. Uh, but yeah, I just, I wanted to write the bass second. I was doing all these kind of things not to make it too much Minutemen to have respect for them guys. I thought if you really don't want it to be too too much Minutemen, get rid of the only Minuteman, which was the bass player. Yeah. So a year later, I went back to, we had did with Tony Mamoni, bass hero for me from yeah. Peru, but he's got yeah. a studio in Brooklyn. In those days, D-Boon days, any music we put through our band. But after Firehose, it was like, I'm going to make a band for each proj. So right. I put together Missing Men explicitly to do the third opera. Second Men was for the second opera. Black Gang was for the first opera. So, the, so this is fascinating. So the way you transcended the fear of hacking yourself was to to take a make a new band for each project, but then also you know to constantly have it in your head to respect the sacred nature of the Minutemen. 
So then when you come around to do the final opera, the, the, the idea that you're going to not play bass because that's the one part of the Minutemen that still exists, but you're going to honor D-Boom by using his guitar, which yeah. you don't know how to play that no. well. No. Then you would definitely get a new sound and you would have the, the heart of, of, of the loss that is sort of what middle age is about yeah. by playing his guitar yeah. and also respect the situation. Right. And I, he gave me confidence. You can talk about this, Why? Like in the middle of it, I give that poem, Loss and Liberation. Yeah. It was going to have an instrumental. Yeah. I actually read, wrote that in St. Petersburg. I said, because at the end of the second opera, I turn into a pelican. You know, yeah. pelicans got no songs. Yeah. Because I think some truths ain't about words. Yeah. But I said, you know what? Us humans kind of talk to each other with this words, so I got to write some words for this. So, Loss and Liberation. And, and I used him for confidence a little ways by yeah. using his guitar. But I think by making my bands for specific projects, it's also respect to the dudes I'm playing with. Sure. Yeah. Like, this is for you. I yeah. picked you for this. Yeah. So, yeah, do it. You know, I've never done a, an audition. Yeah. For I've never anybody. said try out. No, I just get a sense. And think, you know everybody. Everybody knows you, and everybody respects you. And you know everybody. You know the guy who knows the guy. Okay, maybe that's it. <laughs> I just think if you practice enough at something, you can learn it. Because <laughs> the Minuteman, actually, historically, people know of us. But yeah. in the day punk was so small, a lot of people didn't see us. Yeah. By the time Firehose comes along, a lot more. Uh, punk went into college. Yeah. They're on college radio. Sure. It wasn't that in the older days. Dude, well, that's what happens, man. Yeah. It's like even now, like you know, a bunch of people are going to listen to this right now, and they're like, who's this guy? And then they're going to go listen to the fucking Minutemen for the first time. And then they're going to listen to Firehose for the first time. Like right now, for me and you talking, you're going to blow people's minds because they, they got this whole catalog of a life's work of Mike Watt yeah. That evolves. I mean, hyphenated man. I would bet some would argue is the best record you ever made. Oh, the most kind, Mark. <laughs> I, D. Boone used to say the doings and the no one's in the doing. Yeah, yeah. Well, you did it, buddy. Well, well I, I just keep trying too. Well, it was great talking to you. It was an honor. Much respect, Mark, for having me aboard. <laughs> Love that guy. A wizard. One of the great wizards. Mike Watt, folks. One of the great wizards. Go uh, to WTFPod.com for all your WTF pod needs. Uh, yeah, do that. Get on the mailing list. Go to the calendar section. WTFPod slash calendar. And, uh, you know, see where I'm playing. Oh, now there's no buzz. Boomer lives!